Coming up on Podcast 1556, Uncovered, the car industry's secret emissions plan to sway public opinion towards combustion. Stick around, I'll tell you what I know. Also on the podcast today, we'll have a look at Renault in Europe, Neo in Norway, and... Uh, the struggle of charging your EV when you have no driveway. And a couple of examples to go through today. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening around the world. This is EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information. First one of the week, Monday 8th of August. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. We'll start with a YouTube video that I found of Jay Leno, legendary car nut Jay Leno, driving and reviewing the Cadillac Lyric. Now, I can never, I hesitate, I can never tell whether these are sponsored videos, whether GM have gone to Jay Leno, we'll pay you a hundred grand, feature you, feature us on Jay Leno's garage. Because he's got someone with GM with him in the car when he's driving, walking around, looking at all the gadgets and the, the nice little technical things on the car. And they're explaining to him how it works. It's great content. I watched the whole 32 minute video. It's interesting. Jay Leno's a legend, don't get me wrong. Also, he's got a business to run. That's his YouTube channel. Now, I can't work out, because he's so complimentary about all the cars that he reviews when a car comes on. It's got someone from the car maker. Like, is that paid content, or is that just him loving cars and wants to get an expert on? I can't tell, because he's so good at it. It just looks like a show. It looks like a half-hour show. But I'm like, "Mm, have they paid for this? Because it's very, very positive. He says a couple of things that are... that could be construed as like, oh, you know, he's giving an honest review because he says, you know, it's not going to accelerate a Tesla Model S Plaid, but that's not the point of the Cadillac Lyric. But then when you think about that, it's not really criticism, is it? Because nothing accelerates uh, accelerates a Model S Plaid apart from a Rematch Nevera. So really, it's it's kind of a it's not really a criticism because well, it's nothing that the car's done wrong. That's not the point of the Cadillac. Lyrics. So anyway, ah, it was a digression, but I think it's a great video. Go check it out. Link in the show notes. He's got uh, Cadillacs in his collection, uh, a 1918, a 1925, a 1957. He loves the brand, uh, and he walks around the Lyric with its Ultium technology, 100.4 kilowatt-hour battery. Is it? Yeah, just over 100 kilowatt-hours in the Ultium battery pack but the the best thing which which he loves about the car which i would agree with the lyric not that i've driven it yet is it's sixty thousand dollars and that for what is a, a very luxury car now if you don't want the minimalist thing in tesla or even you could say polestar maybe you know with the big screen and nothing else, then I think you'll like this because he talks about the the 33-inch single curved piece of glass behind the steering wheel and the centre column as well. It does look very, very uh, beautiful, and, uh, and but he, the price is what he says is is you know not only a great price for a luxury car, but a luxury EV as well. Pop a link to GM Authority in the show notes where you can watch that YouTube video, but I really enjoyed it. Right, let's get into the news. And Mazda, the MX-30, a car that I have been tough on on this podcast and i've been tough on mazda but are they blowing it away in terms of the sales numbers are they proving me wrong are they saying hey podcast boy you know nothing about electric cars because we're selling bazillions of them well no but you can count how many mazda mx30s have been sold but you'll need both hands because the number is eight in the u.s not 80 or 800 It's eight, just eight in the month of July, according to data. That is the lowest monthly result since they launched the car last year. The first month was all right. You know, I got off to 101 101 sales. But as the months went on, 78, 35, 23, and now eight 
of them. Uh, the Mazda MX-30 is uh, $33,500, $1,100 for destination. You get the federal tax credit just about. I mean, you won't from January the 1st uh, because we've got that to talk about later on in the week. So that has passed its first hurdle yesterday on Sunday, by the way. So uh, that big, that uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, as it's called, the IRA, um, that passed the first hurdle. Um, it's probably only a few days away from uh, ending, up, ending up on Biden's desk. But I'll talk about that later in the week because that's a, a, that's a whole segment on which cars are winners and losers. But um, with the Mazda MX-30, that obviously it's got too many Chinese bits in it in the battery. Um, it wouldn't apply. So that would be a you know $35,000 EV when it loses the tax credit for 100 miles of EPA range. Now, they just scraped 100. It wasn't 99. But still, it's clear that America thinks 100 miles is a mistake. And in fact, carbars.com, the website carbars.com, even writes the headline, was the electric Mazda a mistake? Uh, They said, when we first drove the MX-30, Mazda assured us it was not a compliance car, an alternative fuel vehicle produced simply to meet government regulations for low emission vehicles in states like California, uh, where there is a financial benefit to selling some. Car bars say, we genuinely like the MX-30, but the 100-mile range was a mistake. Uh, The maximum range on a full charge is 100 miles, let alone people like to charge their EV to 80% so they're not always completely topping up the battery for battery health. And then there's extremes in weather. So California, you know, very hot, and the colder climates as well, your battery can often halve. And that's a 50-mile car then. If the MX-30 is not a compliance car, as Mazda insisted to car bars when they drove it, they say, then it's not a good sign for Mazda. What about down under? Mazda Australia imported 100 of the, uh, the cars in 2021 to sell, and they are still marked on dealer websites some as demonstrator models uh some of them have had their drive away prices slashed but in australia where you can't buy electric cars aussies are really starved of evs they're still not buying it because they're on dealer lots of the hundred that they imported they can't get shot of them it's a really interesting uh, case study in electric vehicles and just very quickly um i will remind the listeners uh, that at the time Mazda told us they put a small battery in the car because that's the best thing to do for the planet, you see, because ba- they said batteries are bad. EV batteries are bad. They're, you've got to mine them and, and they're full of metals and materials. So they love the planet, therefore a small battery, which at the time I said was BS. And I stand by that. It was PR nonsense that a bunch of publications bought and printed And I was like, I'm not going with this line. And I called him out on that and I stand by it. Right. Next in the news, Rivian is opening up its first service center in Canada. Rivian sales continue to increase in North America and the company taking a major step in Canada and announcing their first ever service center in Canada. As per automotive news, the first facility outside the US will be in Vancouver. Rivian's been hiring staff since June for the location. The company hopes to open the service center sometime this autumn. According to DriveTeslaCanada.ca, they write, Rivian is now operating. 21 service centres around the US. Another half a dozen are planned to open by the end of the year. And for Rivian, the service centres are both practical, but also a spot where they can showcase in front of potential customers the R1T and the R1S. Renault are next in the news. And Renault is on the right track with its new electric vehicle. So says, let me check my notes. Oh, yeah. They're on the right track according to the CEO of Renault, which is good that he actually likes the company's products. 
the chief exec, Luke DeMeo, saying that they are on the right track with their Megan E-Tech. They're all EV. Uh, that's um, doing very well in France, by the way. 25,000 E-Tech vehicles are sold in the last three months. And the CEO telling uh, Le Journal de Dimanche in an interview published on their edition, their Sunday edition yesterday, and I quote, the, democratiz- the democratization of the electric car will take place in Europe and involves products at affordable prices, end quote. And you can't argue with that. The democratization of EVs will depend on products at affordable prices. And everyone likes a nice luxury SUV and, you know, or sports car, don't get me wrong. But it will happen. It will happen over the next few years when those prices come down. And it is happening, don't get me wrong. Uh, the Megane E-Tech model is being very, very heavily advertised in France. The best-selling EV in France last month in July, according to the data source Aver France. Uh, Luca De Mayo has pledged to give more details on his plan for Renault's EV business in the fall, according to Bloomberg.com. But uh, good to know Good to know that, that Renault are on the right track, according to the person who sets the direction. <laughs> You know, it'd be bad if a CEO came out and went, oh, we're doing it all wrong, you know. <laughs> Got to change direction. I do think Renault could have been a bit quicker. Obviously, they've got the Nissan, it's Renault, Nissan, Mitsubishi, so they've got all of that talent in the company from, uh, you know, making the Zoe and the Leaf. And I think the Megan took maybe a couple of years longer than it should do, you could argue. Uh, of course, there was all that trouble at the top um, in terms of management, but still, I do think that uh, the, the Renault, Megane, Tech, Electric and the Nissan Aria arriving maybe two years, maybe two and a half years later than it really should have done, actually. And I know that de- depended on getting that new platform that both cars are based on. You know, out into the wild. And, and, the, and the Renault version, the Renault E-Tech, by the way, the Megane E-Tech, much cheaper than the Nissan Aria. Did totally different cars. But still, same platform. And I do think that perhaps they could have sped things up just a little bit. Now, let's talk Niu. Not Nio, the car maker, but Niu, the makers of EV two-wheeled electric scooters. Well, like moped. If I say scooter, don't think like a stand-on scooter, like a moped. And they're facing real cost pressures, like all of the competition. Neo Technologies looking for alternative battery technologies, like sodium iron. Now, sodium iron batteries are heavier than lithium batteries for the same range, but have a big cost advantage, and costs are going up for everyone at the minute. Two-wheeled electric vehicles... Um, are very popular, but many of the manufacturers are starting to rise, raise the prices because of factors like the COVID epidemic, the raw material prices as well. And last July sometime, it was end of the month actually, when CATL unveiled their first generation sodium iron battery, uh, bringing the new power battery technology to greater attention. CATL said their first generation sodium iron battery has a lower energy density than the current LFP batteries, but a big price advantage, also a performance advantage in low temperatures and also in fast charging. So maybe in cold weather, alpine regions, it's good technology. Neo expects global sales of up to 1.7 million of their electric mopeds this year, uh, 1.3 to 1.5 million in China and the rest in overseas markets. And Neo, as in the car company, not Neo, but Neo, and Neo's second battery swap station in Norway is ready to open. And the inauguration is going to be in a couple of days' time, August 15th, so actually a week's time. Uh, August 15th at uh, Vestby. The station is located between Oslo and Gothenburg. They say that on August the 15th at midday, we open our 
power swap station in Norway. The station will be the link between Oslo and Gothenburg and connecting the Norwegian power swap network with their plans for Europe coming on nicely, say Neo. The latest images show that it's all finished and ready to open. The company hosting Neo Power Day recently, where they unveiled their 500 kilowatt DC fast chargers and their third generation battery swap stations. Right now they're in Norway. They're soon entering... Um, Germany, Denmark, Sweden, the Netherlands. And when I was talking to the VP of NEO a couple of weeks ago, uh, um, an event that we were both at, a conference we were both at, and I was hosting uh, the keynote talk, um, his name is Hui Zhang. I better just quickly type that into Google while I'm talking to you because I don't want to get that wrong. That would be massively disrespectful. I think his name is Hui Zhang. Um, he was telling me, there it is, yeah, interview, Hui Zhang, VP, Neo Europe. Phew, I got his name absolutely perfect. Uh, it's been a few weeks since, since I met him. I hope my brain didn't fade, but it didn't. Um, he was saying they're going to be in 25 countries by 2025, because I joked to him on stage. I went, oh, come on, you know, put the steering wheel on the correct side and bring one to the UK. And he was like, well, you, say, you know, you joke, but we're not far away. So he wouldn't reveal any more, but 25 countries by the middle of the decade. Well done, Neo. I love what they're doing. Right, coming up on the podcast very soon, the car industry's secret emissions plan, a PR campaign to sway public opinion away from electric vehicles. This is that's just disgusting. You are going to not believe your ears when I tell you about this. And the struggle of charging your EV without a driveway, when it's done right and when it's done wrong, we'll discuss. It's on the way. Now let's go down under to Australia and petrol stations are beginning the move to electric cars. Service stations are embracing EVs with the opening of the first 120 fast charge sites at Ampol locations in Australia over the next year and a half. Ampol, good name actually for electric cars, even though it's petrol stations, Ampol. They call it Amp Charge, which is nice, actually. Um, the first ones are opening in Sydney, Victoria, Queensland, and WA in Belmont in Western Australia. As the company introduces plans to sell uh, electric car chargers for businesses and home installations as well, funded by 7.5 million Aussie dollars from their renewable energy agency, it's a low-key launch with a single charger and two plugs, but a single charger at each site. Uh, they are fast chargers, but there's a single charger at each side, which kind of reminds me of UK and Europe 10 years ago. Like 10 years ago, we were putting in chargers that were a single charger with two plugs on, and now Australia's doing it. And that seems to me like uh, maybe we were doing that 10 years ago, but I kind of understand it uh, because there's just not a huge amount of EVs in Australia at the moment. But let me bring you to the headline story today. And that's this. The car industry has a secret emissions plan, and it's launched a wide-ranging and secret campaign to delay the transition to electric vehicles and hamper part of the climate change plan. These are confidential documents that have been surfaced by the Sydney Morning Herald. Great newspaper. And Sydney Morning Herald write, and I quote, The lobbying and public relations strategy has been circulated in recent weeks among top motoring executives, and it aims to limit any new fuel efficiency standards to a level that leaves Australia's car industry with the weakest carbon emissions in the world, weakest carbon emission rules in the world. The campaign has been put together by something called the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries. Now, maybe if you're in Australia, you know about the FCAI. They're a, a body that represents 39 car companies and car brands. And 
because that's the industry lobby group, or the so none of the car companies have to speak for themselves or stick their name or their head above the parapet, but they use an industry body, of which I'm sure they put their funds into, in order to say that the existing voluntary scheme, which they've adopted for emissions, which frankly is a voluntary scheme, it's a bit like self-regulation, uh, that that should actually be the national standard. In other words, please let turkeys vote for Christmas. It would mean new passenger cars sold from the year 2030 would pump out an average of 98 grams of CO2 per kilometre in Australia. These leaked documents show 98 grams of CO2 per kilometre in 2030. 2030 is the year that we will ban combustion cars in the UK. And Australia's car industry wants it to be at 98 grams per kilometre of CO2. That's what we did in 2020. You know what I was just saying? That Australia is 10 years behind? That we were doing those kind of charges 10 years ago? That's what we were doing in 2020, 2021, in the, U, uh, in the European Union, for instance, the standards are now 95 grams because it's tightened up a little bit. The documents outline a timeline of how they're going to do this and how they're going to pull the wool over Australians' eyes. There's going to be a timeline of what they call public relations efforts to take place between now and October. They're going to do a program of targeted briefings for Australians. They're going to put out a green paper aimed at the government. There's going to be a, and I quote, thought leadership roadshow consisting of round tables, keynote speeches, newspaper opinion pieces. So I'm sure that they'll be able to buy just the right columnists to write those opinion pieces down under. And a targeted media campaign of spend. The FCAI aims to position itself as a thought leader and trusted voice on emissions. They want to be your trusted friend. Hey, don't make the car industry reduce their emissions. We're your friend. The documents say that the PR strategy will shape and participate in the EV discussion. Yeah, BS, will it? Well, they want to shape the EV discussion. Yeah, that will be we don't want EVs. My goodness me. The Sydney Morning Herald writes, and I quote, the documents paint an insider's picture of those in the petrol and mild hybrid car industry fighting an action against fuel emissions regulation. Transport is Australia's third largest source of greenhouse gas emissions and the sector is getting dirtier. CO2 output has risen 48% since 1990 and those emissions mostly come from the tailpipes of cars and trucks as well. Well, Australia is a country that I love. My sister moved out to Perth 20 years ago. I love WA. Um, we're only over on the east coast. We've done the touristy things, you know, like Sydney and that area, but still... Uh, I have so many friends in Australia, and it's such such a beautiful country, and it's amazing that they have. You know, Australia has so much natural resources, and the political will is to destroy the environment. And it, it, I find it amazing, but it's amazing what money will do, and money talks, and people act in their own self interest. And wow, wow, that's amazing. I'm so glad that this newspaper has uncovered this, um, and I hope that uh, that I'm sure they'll go ahead with this campaign. But I hope that anyone that so this story is able to see through the lies um, that the, the car industry wants to tell you, that, that emissions can be ramped down slowly and we've got to control the emissions or it'll ruin the industry. No, 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 no. Come on, let's, let's, let's not go down that road of, uh, uh, of trying to tell people that. We did that 10 years ago in other countries. Now, let's be honest. Emissions kill people, right? Emissions give you cancer and they kill our children and babies in vitro. There's so much research now. The babies in the womb of mothers that live nearby main roads, and high pollution areas uh, have a lower IQ, stunted development. Like we, we like we know this now. This isn't up for debate anymore. Uh, so these are just the facts, and we willfully do this to our future generations because money.
<laughs> you know, I don't know. But it's amazing what people will do and still sleep at night. Wowee, that's a huge story, and we'll be following that up, no doubt. Now, a couple of final stories on how to charge your EV if you haven't got a driveway. Well, the first story I picked up from New Zealand uh, was uh, a chap called Igor, and he's bought himself a Mini Cooper Hybrid in April. Uh, he got his $5,500 rebate from the clean car discount scheme. Uh, he lives in Auckland, and he was parking it outside his house, but up on the pavement. And it upset the neighbours. Because it should do. And so, because he was parking out, he's got a garage, but the garage sort of goes right up to the pavement, if that makes sense. Maybe there's like maybe a sort of a metre uh, in front of his garage, and then it's the pavement. So it was kind of, his car was halfway on his driveway, halfway off to charge his hybrid. The neighbours got upset. Wheelchair users couldn't get past, prams and strollers, blah, blah, blah. And so now he has to park it on the road, but also like up wheels up on the pavement so that the cable will reach, and he puts rubber mats over the cables. Do not do this, Mr... And, and Annie, I get that you bought yourself a car. Um, the newspaper here says he hoped to find a more permanent solution uh, because running electrical cables across the footpath is not permitted under Auckland's transport activities in the Road Corridor Bylaw Act of May this year. Um, he didn't anticipate what it would take to charge his car when he bought it. And that is just a lesson for everyone. If you, if you, you, know, if you listen to this podcast because you haven't bought an EV yet, like think how you're going to charge it. And, you know, put those plans in place. Do do five minutes of thinking. Don't park a car on the pavement or run cables across the pavement. I found another article just a couple of days ago in the Express newspaper, which is a certain, you know, style of newspaper, if you know it. Um, but um, it's a bit, you know, it, it's hardly, you know, a, a, a broadsheet of note. But anyway, um, it's a tabloid. Uh, but they point out a, BM, a BMW driver who is forced to charge his £50,000 car by dangling a cable out of his window. A BMW driver says he has been forced to charge his car through the first floor flat window after being told he must remove his self-installed charging point. Joe Keating is his name, installing a device for his BMW on the wall next to his parking space in his rented apartment in Rochdale. He planned the installation to help, he says, slash his carbon emissions. Well, again, my friend... I see that you think you've done nothing wrong here, but you live in the first floor. What you've done is dangle a cable out of your first floor flat down to the ground, out to the front garden where you have a designated parking space, and then you've put in what looks like a kind of outdoor plug socket that you would get from a garden centre, maybe, or, you know, B&Q, and, and then you're using an, a, a regular old granny charger to charge your BMW i4. <laughs> right. Again... Someone who thinks they've done nothing wrong. They've gone to the newspapers. He spoke to the Manchester Evening News newspaper. He said he he admitted he didn't ask the managing agents of the flat that he rents before installing the charge point for his vehicle, uh, which he bought for £50,000, and now he has to charge it by dangling the cable out because they've, they've made him remove the his own permanent installation. But it doesn't look like a permanent installation. Look, I charged our Renault Zoe for the first almost a year that we had it occasionally on the three-pin plug, and, man, I wish I hadn't. Like, that plug used to get so hot. And, and that is on a separate 32-amp circuit, out to the, which was newly installed, out to the garage. Um, and on a separate... We had a new consumer unit put in as well. House was, was done. The electrics were all redone. This is a 70s house. And even then, I... You know, it was as good as a three-pin plug can get. It wasn't on an extension. I still wish I hadn't done it. Like and and you just you can't do that because you're putting really decent juice through, you know, a plug 
you put like three kilowatts through it for what all night long 12 14 16 hours at a time and i'm not saying it's going to explode and blow up, but please don't please don't install your own car charger uh, in a rented accommodation and then go to the newspapers to complain when the managing agents tell you can you in- uninstall that please uh, but you know if it asks permission maybe get a proper seven kilowatt charger installed somewhere somehow i don't know but again massively dangerous and i can see his point of view um he's done something wrong in my opinion but i understand that he didn't know he did something wrong man education i I give you those two stories because education 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 you can help with this if you've got friends relatives work colleagues you know someone who's going to buy an electric vehicle very soon they're talking to you about it if they're buying a hybrid or a full electric whatever make sure that they have thought these things through right that's your podcast for today um Thank you very much to our premium partners of the podcast. That'll be you, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging uh, on the US mainland, uh, Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley's EV Review Island YouTube channel, Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK, Octopus Electric Juice, Making public charging simple. You get the app, you get the card, you get the map. Great little filter on it. You can just show the EJ stations or all charging stations. You can search by network. That You can pay just with one card, and it all goes on your home lucky bill. It's brilliant. And millbrookcottages.co.uk for five-star luxury cottages in Devon. Have a good one. See you tomorrow. And remember, there's no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.